art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Okay, here we go. Something, something. Hey, everybody. I'm James Hatton. I am Podcast Rob. And it's time for Something in Review. In Review! This one, we're we're coming late to the party on this one, but I am super glad we are reviewing this movie. Yeah, we are, and I'm glad one of us is super glad we're reviewing this movie. Okay, but we are not here alone, are we? No, uh, the movie in question is a Netflix original, and when I think Netflix, there's only one person that I think of along with Netflix. We have Dan from Netflix and Swill with us this evening. Dan, say hello to everybody out there in podcast world. Oh, hi. You've If you've listened to my show, you've heard me, and now you're turning it off. No. That means they turned well before your voice was heard. I was going to say, that means people are actually listening to this. That may be true. Dan, thank you guys for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for making time to come on with us. How have you been? What's been going on with you lately? Uh, I'm good, uh, except for the fact that I, I possibly have COVID-19, oh, uh, no. even though, you know, I got vaccinated two months ago. That's, okay. that's great. I, I mean, I ha- I may have it, and if I do have it, it's like non-existent. The only thing that's off is that I can't taste anything, which... Oh. Uh, would make for a fun challenge because I'd love to like eat stuff that I hate and then just be like, hey, I'm eating that stuff that I hate. <laughs> Jara eels. Take not to make not to make light of a potential, you know, ugly situation. But uh, for the movie that we're reviewing, it's probably good that you have no taste. Damn. Uh, I will say uh, the no taste made this pill go down a bit smoother than the last two times I watched it. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. I'm I'm one of those psychopaths that has to, like, rewatch something before he reviews it. So I have now seen Zack Snyder's uh, Army of the Dead three times, including once in theaters. So I paid extra money to go see it. That's. All right. That's more than I'd put into it. I will admit I was today years old when I realized this. This actually came out in 600 theaters before it came out on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it was, I believe it was a Cinemark-only theatrical release, uh, basically because, like, people... Like, Cinemark wanted something to get people in the in in the door, and I guess for some reason they thought a movie that would be coming to Netflix the following week would do it for them. I yeah. don't understand that move, but, I mean, they made it. Yeah, I think it was, it was about 600 locations. I think about 350 of them were Cinemark theaters, but yeah. I mean, that yeah. is an odd marker to... to st- throw a movie at a cinema like on the off chance that somebody wants to see a zombie film on big screen which I get just action movies are better on big big screens right but even me who I mean I'm not a movie goer so much anymore but even the most arduous like ardent film person would be like ah, I could just watch it in my living room next week I've been in my house for the last 
10 months. Why would I leave now? Right. And I mean, I went because I do a Netflix show. I wanted to see it early. I wanted to put out an early review. Well, early review. I mean, the, the big people had already seen it. I wanted to put out something that said, hey, I went to go see it in theaters. And boy, did I waste however much money I spent on it. <laughs> so let's let's start off with what are your opinions collectively, individually of the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, because I've gone on record multiple times. It's probably one of my favorite zombie movies, but that's so we are we are looking at a very different Zack Snyder now. We are mm-hmm. many, many Zack Snyder evolutions. This is final form Zack Snyder, Zilla, Zack uh, Snyder, Zard. I don't know how Pokemon work. <clears throat> um, so what are you what where did you come? You came walking in going, all right, he did Dawn of the Dead. Did you have a good opinion of Dawn of the Dead or a bad opinion of Dawn of the Dead? So, personally, I thought the 2004 Dawn of the Dead was really good. I I really liked it. Um, I think he did a great job with it. My opinion on that overall in the evolution of Zack Snyder is that was a Zack Snyder who wanted to show what he was capable of. Whereas Army of the Dead was a fuck you, I'm Zack Snyder kind of movie. <laughs> Dan? Can I, so it's been forever since I saw uh, what the fuck, Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. yeah. It's been for If I've even seen it, it's been forever. Uh, I'm much more of a, you know, I, I started with 300 with Zack Snyder and I've pretty much seen everything except for Sucker Punch that he's done. <laughs> uh, and for the most part, I'm a Zack Snyder apologist. I actually like a lot of Zack Snyder's movies. I like a lot of the choices he makes. Like, yeah, yeah. I liked Batman versus Superman coming out of the theater. I'm one of those people. I think the Ultimate Edition is better. I like his Justice League cut. So, you know, walking into this, it was like, all right, Zack, you're doing pretty well right now. Let's see what happens. So we have a long running Sucker Punch joke around this them thar parts. Even when we started doing... um. Like Netflix parties when lockdown all began, uh, mm-hmm. Sucker Punch was on our short list of ones to just like let's let's just party with some people and watch uh, Sucker Punch. Why haven't you seen that one? Uh, I didn't hear. I well, one, I just completely missed it in theaters, and then two, everyone says how bad it is, and I'm just like, all right, I need to like take some time away from this before I can even give it a a, a shot. I wouldn't exactly say I'm missing it, Bob. <laughs> It's, it's an experience. I find, before, just before he gets on me, that I find Sucker Bunch to be amazing in so much as it has a, it has the soundtrack it deserves, which is like, actually fairly good, but so visual. That is an so interesting boring. comment to make. It has the soundtrack it deserves. It does. Well, I mean, it's it's hot women in weird places and cool outfits with zombie. Like it has. It has the soundtrack you would expect that movie to have. Sadly, it doesn't have like any of the fun you'd expect that movie to have. But yeah, it's an experience that I think is just worth seeing once, especially if you like to. I don't know. I I'm, I come from a very riff tracks mystery science theater world, so it's definitely one that you got to see, so you can have, at the very least wrap your brain around how weird it is. Sure. And I mean, I, I come from that kind of world, too. Like, that's something I had to develop over time because we do this segment called Cautionary Tales of Netflix, where we watch, you know, 
awful, awful, awful movies. And it took about like eight, 10, maybe even 15 movies before I was like, oh, I get the, I get this now. I understand where, you know, people find these bad movies funny. And now I find bad movies funny to a degree. You're ready for Sucker Punch. Okay, you've cool. You've taken the stone from my hand. You are ready, Grasshopper. But let's go to Army of the Dead. It starts off with the exact thing I think it should have started off with, which was the best part of the movie, that really great montage of, like, the fall of Las Vegas. I thought, if this is the movie we're getting, this is going to be a great movie. I'm going to tell you, the whole pre-title sequence, to me, was the pre-title sequence of a completely different movie. Oh, yes. Than the movie that came after it. Like, I was geared up to see the movie that that pre-title sequence was teasing because it it felt completely disjointed from everything that came after it. It's totally confused. It, it at times wants to be a comedy movie, at times wants to be a drama movie, and at times wants to be an action movie. And there's there's movies that can blend all three of those aspects into one actual good thing. This just jumps all over the place. Yeah, and I think you even missed it. It wants to be a heist movie. It wants to be a, yeah. a suspense of who's going to turn on who sort of thing. There, there's there's a couple of them that it blends in there. And if there's genres I love, it's zombies. I love heist films. I love con jobs. Like, I, I should have walked out of this movie or stood up from my couch and been like, uh, let's rewind it and watch it again. But I, mm. yeah, you're correct. It is. It does none of those things good enough for it to kind of hold up on, on any marker. I'm, I'm with you. But yeah, that I agree. That opening sequence was the movie I really, really wanted, and it's nothing yeah. that we got. Yeah, because it's, I mean, the whole movie thing was it starts with a military convoy that's transporting something out of Area 51. And it turns out to be a zombie that escapes after a accident that basically uh, jeopardizes the integrity of the container that it's in. And in very short order, he dispatches all of the military. So now that we see the ones that he's bitten standing back up and doing the weird zombie shuffle, I'm thinking, awesome, army of the dead. It means we're going to have zombies, like a military zombie group. Like, that could be really cool. No, no, mm -hmm. not at all what we got. We got, well, we got the container trucks surrounding Las Vegas and the country basically saying... Ah, fuck Vegas. We'll, yeah. we'll just wall them all in. Well, it's, it's again, Zack Snyder going to the well of, hey, I want to do a social commentary. Like, it's it's very obvious I'm doing a social commentary. There's no subtlety to what I'm doing at all. Uh, you know, we have, we have the wall around something. We have, you know, cages where people are being held or, like, uh, you know, camps that are coming out of the city for the people are being held in. It, I mean, he's, it's obviously supposed to be about the, the border wall in Mexico. And his kind of take on that, but also it's a zombie movie too. Like, I I love Man of Steel. I do like the whole a, like alien immigrant thing, but there are times where it's like heavily forced. And and this is Zack Snyder going a bit too far with that. Hey, I'm trying to say something in my stupid dumb movie. Yeah, I'm gonna be thoroughly honest with you. I don't know. I caught the political subtext until you started to lay it out, like building a wall and cages, etc. I, 
and I'm usually pretty good about picking that stuff apart. I didn't even think about that he was trying to have a message in there because I I don't think I ever would have made a connection that Zack Snyder understood how to put a message in a film like this. Huh. I think I was so I was so staggered on the fact that uh Dave Batista is playing a character that's like basically like a short order cook. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a dark past, sir. A dark past. Yeah, like that. Like, I completely missed the social commentary because my brain couldn't even wrap itself around, okay, this is not the movie that the pre-title sequence teased. And no, Dave Batista is not like a short order cook at this deli kind of place that he was when they you know, they come in and try to get him uh, wrangled in to do this job. Um, it's, I mean, it's almost... It, it's more ham-fisted than... Uh, you know, like under siege or above the law or anything like that, where you know we have the the ex Navy SEAL who just happens to be a cake decorator at the right time when things right. go wrong. It's okay, sure. I'm 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 in. Let's go. Have, haven't you ever seen your your fry cook do a clean and jerk of like two you know, five hundred pounds? Because the guy at that uh, greasy spoon right outside the zombies, he can. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, again, that's supposed to be something that is another piece of commentary that Zack Snyder doesn't handle well. It, it just doesn't work. Is that like, hey, this guy went through hell to escort like VIPs out of Las Vegas. You know, like, like we see that that's what his team does. Like, And now, you know, he has his Medal of Freedom or Medal of Valor or whatever the hell medal is on the side of his bed. And he's a short order cook doing nothing he he makes no money like the, he he is like bottom of the barrel again like he it's like he doesn't even exist to people anymore and like it's almost like there's supposed to be something there i mean you see um uh what the hell's her name the uh hit the the other female like the female from the squad who lived like she's a mechanic vanderho oh, yeah. is Tignataro, uh, yeah no no not Tignataro. um I can't remember her name right oh, now. oh whoa, whoa. yeah yeah i'm the, sorry i'm sorry yeah the one who yeah. we don't see in the final sequence but we'll get to that Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maria Cruz. That's the one. Maria Cruz. Yeah. Yep. Like Maria Cruz is a mechanic. Uh, Vanderho is uh, a personal therapist for like uh, old people. Like they're doing these bottom of the barrel rung jobs that, you know, don't matter. And it's like, oh, hey, all that stuff you did. Cool. Thanks. Uh, goodbye now. And, and maybe there's something there that he's trying to do. But then again, it's just like it's not working. He's not spending the time he needs to spend on it. And I mean, Spends time on a bunch of other stuff that doesn't go anywhere, so it doesn't... I mean, I guess it makes sense for this movie. Yeah, that's 100% accurate. <laughs> so he, uh, right after said opening sequence where we have the fairly suspenseful army zombie, uh, we get to the, the title sequence I was speaking on specifically with the Viva Las Vegas, with the big sort of cartoony... Uh, explosion and fall. It's ba it's the Watchmen secret. It's him using the Watchmen trick again mm -hmm. um, of telling the story in this sort of animated vignette sequence, highly stylized over uh, a banging soundtrack. Um, and that legitimately, again, it was, it was pretty, it was a really neat storyboarding for a movie that we 1000% would have enjoyed more than this. So where do we go from there, Rob? Uh, they basically get roped into this heist by uh, Bly Tanaka, 
who wants him to break into his own casino to recover $200 million from his casino vault before the military uh, drops a nuke on the city to basically wipe out the zombies that are there. Um, now, he's already been paid by the insurance company for the $200 million, so now he wants to go in and get the original $200 million so he can kind of like double dip on the money. Um, and they, they, they put together this team to uh, go in and secure the money from this casino. Uh, it ends up having uh, Batista's character, uh, his daughter. Uh, incidentally. The... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say his daughter ending up being incidentally because she lost her friend in the casino. She wasn't, she wasn't invited. I'm saying she's the, she's the tag along. Right, right. Um, I mean, it basically had, you know, the, the, the team was kind of like your... It was kind of like your Ocean's Eleven team, your 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 D and D party. Like every mm -hmm. everybody was represented. There was no uh, duplication or redundancy of any sort of main skills. You know, everybody everybody had their supposed part to play in it, uh, and they were also given somebody from Bly Tanaka to tag along, um, to kind of keep an eye on the group. And right from the get-go, knowing it's a action flick, it's a supposedly heisty film. I mean, his plan, Blytonaka already comes across like evil villain number 345. So sure. was anybody believing that his, his toss-in guy was on the up and up across the board? I mean, never. Never in a million years like, oh, this guy's going to do something fucky. <laughs> then we find out what he really wants to do, and it's like, okay, he did something fucky, and now we move on. I will say, uh, Theo Rossi also ends up becoming part of the group. Mm -hmm. uh, his, he was he plays Burt Cummings, who's like the the camp kind of sheriff uh, for the the camp that exists right outside of Las Vegas. And I got to tell you. When they first kind of like fuck him over and zip tie him and just leave him for the zombies, I cheered like out loud oh, yeah. by myself watching that because there's not a character that he plays that I really like. I didn't like him in Sons of Anarchy. I didn't like him in Luke Cage. Didn't uh, He was playing a dick in this movie, so it was kind of, you know, it's almost like they were giving me permission to, to hate him in this film. Um, so I was kind of happy when that happened. Um, hoping that he would just be dispatched quickly. Uh, unfortunately, that was not correct. Um, so the, the big difference that this movie seems to have over other zombie movies is that we have zombies that are known as alphas who are kind of like uh, the smart, intelligent leader zombies, so to speak, mm -hmm. as opposed to just the uh, shambling or running quickly and just, you know, rending flesh from bone kind of worker zombies um and if you are if you give the alphas a sacrifice then the alphas can allow you safe passage through las vegas so they throw theo rossi from sons of anarchy just there you go because he's a creeper and yeah. like what i did the minute you see them are like oh you're gonna see him later he's he's coming back i see Theo Rossi gets right. to be our, our villain zombie. That's fun. Well, oh, and and please. you guys have been talking about like the um, 
the characters and like we get Chambers who is a very nothing character who shows up for five minutes does, has a cool scene and then uh, dies we have Guzman who's just like he's he kills stuff good I guess uh, you know we have the safe cracker we have the helicopter pilot we have the squad it, it just like you, you you said like we're not really doubling up I feel like Guzman and Chambers are the same character it's just one of them dies early and like it sets up that hey the guy that Tanaka sent shouldn't be trusted because he got one of our characters that we should really care about killed. Except, you know, I cared about her because she did a cool action scene, not because of anything she did beforehand. Mm-hmm. And the the one character we are sort of leaving out is the coyote, uh, who mm. is the transporter of people across the wall, who in the first 15 minutes of the movie make you think she is this sort of heartless murderer for hire like she does it only for the money and it's the only reason she brings people across and then later after we've been pretty much informed that that's what she does and she's the one who throws the sacrifice to mama zombie they try and make it sound like she has a heart of gold only for her to then turn on them sort of again and then help them again like she's so poorly written she is just a character who flip-flops from beginning to end of the film that like I was lost on her because you're supposed to hate her at the beginning and then you're supposed to feel sympathy for her and then you're supposed to dislike her again but then you're thinking maybe she'll help but does she? Oh my god can we stop? More heels and face turns than anybody in this flick. No I feel like she was all like whenever she was like whenever she threw Theo Rossi to the wolves it was like okay like she's doing it for herself but also she has like the like this heart of gold. Uh, and I mean, like, eventually we also find out that she was helping uh, Tanaka's guy by because he promised to release everyone from the camp, even though it seemed like they took the buses and got everyone out of the camp. Mm-hmm. Unless they're moving to a, them to a different camp, in which case, okay, fine. So, like, I feel like she always is trying to help. It's just she's thinking about herself more than anyone else still. Like, there's still that self-centeredness that she has to get over in order to to, uh, you know, be a good person. And I guess that's like her ultimate sacrifice is, is that where she finally puts everybody else above her. And that's fair. <clears throat> I think my big thing there is the, the moment when, uh, she's describing who she sacrifices and she goes, I only, I only sacrifice the ones that really deserved it, which my problem with that is, is that means that for every trip she has brought people through across the wall, through the casino, wherever, she always has to make sure to grab one asshole. Why are we bringing asshole Steve? Well, you'll see. He's needed. Every trip needs one asshole Steve. It's just the rules of, of zombie travel. So our team uh, are heading into said casino and from here to the safe. And that's the ultimate goal for them is to get to a safe, to open it up. They're going to take their cut of the money and then the rest of Tanaka's. Um, so pretty much most of act two for us is is the video game running from, from A to B, uh, losing characters along the way, witty banter, witty banter. Everybody gets to showcase their their super skills. Um, 
if there's any fun to be had, it's in in big bloody action sequences. So where do you, where where do you guys sit in the blow them up zombies and action from how we get from to the safe? Anyone? Uh, I mean, the 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 gore and the violence was definitely one hundred percent over the top. Mm-hmm. Um. And by over the top, sometimes I'll say like beyond necessary. Uh, I mean, where where the the zombie tiger mauls Martin to death uh, yep. was probably twice as long as it needed to be, to be perfectly honest. But uh, it, it would be okay if Chambers is somebody we cared about as a character. But in like, and when like he basically gets her killed, we were like, okay, well that sucks. We like Chambers. We want Chambers to have lived. Uh, Martin deserves what he's getting. Or like, if somebody other than Maria Cruz died at the at the at the bank vault, I've been like, okay, maybe. But like, her character is barely developed. Like, I j- I just look at this and I go, Martin is supposed to be a bad guy, and that tiger killing scene is supposed to be a cathartic thing for all of us to really care about him dying and be like. That's supposed to be, and everyone in the theater stands up and cheers at that. And it's just like, no, it's just a thing that happened in this movie. Yeah, I really feel like when Martin got eaten by the tiger, like it, it felt like it was trying to to call back to or like pay homage to uh, when Paul Reiser's character got it in Aliens, you know, and everybody was kind of like, yeah, you know, like he finally had what was coming to him. But you're right. It was just like, well, we knew he was a douche. Everybody kind of had it in their head that he wasn't going to make it out alive. So when he got double dicked over and ended up getting eaten by the zombie tiger, everybody was like, nah, had it coming. Okay. And And, oh, go ahead, please. And by the time we hit the safe is or the casino, really, is when I'm like, okay, so where are we? We are 50 minutes in and we finally hit the casino. And. It's like, okay, fine. We but we spent fifty minutes setting up the journey to get here. Or no, I'm sorry. It we're at forty five minutes we're in Vegas. It, we're through the barrier into Vegas, which is just way too much time. You cut that time in half, I'm probably a lot more happy sure. about this this movie. So like like the whole casino stuff, it, it just kinda like drags the plot to a halt. Like I'm like, yeah, I know we get like you guys got to do stuff, but like, do something interesting. You know, the 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 bank vault needing to get open, uh, and then all of a sudden the the nuke timer getting moved up. That's not like prescient enough. You know, I gotta I gotta actually feel some tension here because all you're doing is just standing around. Oh, we cleared out all the zombies. Everything's fine, guys. Yeah, there's a loading screen that's waiting. That's the old school PlayStation, you know, you walk through the door and you see the loading screen there. That's what this movie does. It's really legitimately just, this is how we're going to get to the vault, but it's a long load time. Um, You make the good point about the nuke timer. The reason this all, we didn't mention that this all has to be done today because Las Vegas is going to be nuked, uh, rendered glass. And so they only have a small window of opportunity um, you did mention the tiger, which I wanted to address. If there's one thing in that movie that is like the most piece of self-indulgent CGI, it's that fucking tiger. 
100%. Every sure. sequence, they could be like, Look, can we get the tiger in here? Yeah, he can pace, a, he can pace behind them quietly. Oh, okay, cool. Wonder when he's going to eat somebody. Will he? Oh, he's going to eat someone. Yeah, you oh, were, we're, we're not going to spend that kind of cash on a CGI tiger for him not to bite somebody's face off. Exactly. Um, I did enjoy the using the zombies to trigger all of the, the strange Dungeons and Dragons traps that were down the long hallway of death for them to get to the actual safe. It was vaguely amusing in a very sort of video gamey way, but there was no... You don't think Tanaka would have told them about it? <clears throat> Pardon me. And I know there was a sequence where he said it was totally safe or there was something where he said like, oh, no, 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 all the booby traps are disabled or whatever. But he didn't even warn them that there's going to be sleeping darts and C4 explosions and arrows are going to come out of an inkin head on the wall. And like, there was no, no warning. It's like, is that the money is just like a, a way for Tanaka's man to get inside and then cause as much collateral damage as possible so the man can then get out with, you know, Fair. alpha zombie blood, which is, is seemingly what they want. So the death traps, you know, if if they don't use the zombies, you know, one of them walks into the, the sleeping darts and dies. One of them walks into the machine gun fire and dies. One of them gets smashed and dies. You know, you're, you're looking at racking up a body count there. So that way you're you're able to get your guy in and out really unnoticed. And you just got like this group of goofballs who just like wanted to rob a safe. Make a good point. I didn't think about the twist later that, oh my God, Tanaka doesn't care. But I was trying to figure out like, what a horrible safe design. <laughs> Can you please make a really long hallway and put a bunch of Indiana Jones traps in here? We have technology. We can just shoot. No, I need a crusher and an Acme rocket and just a Rube Goldberg machine of problems. Rob, where, where do we go from here? Well, apparently from here, we go to the concept that has led to the talk of a prequel movie because Dieter uh, kind of became the darling of this this whole scene here where they're trying to get through the safe and, and crack the, uh, the safe before the nuke goes off. Um, and I will say that his interaction with Vanderhoe was entertaining to me. It was kind of funny watching him kind of, I'll say, turn Vanderhoe to his side. Because in the beginning, they were kind of standoffish to Dieter um, and almost kind of mockingly so. Um, but when they get to that point and Dieter kind of takes command of the scene and of that situation, it, it was it was kind of entertaining. At least to me, it was. Um, I feel like there's a, a scene missing with Dieter and Vanderhoe. Like, because all of a sudden they come downstairs and then like, hey, Dieter, how's it going? And then Dieter's like, well, fuck, you fucked me. Vanderhoe, tell him. And they're like, look, let my bro do his thing. And it's like, bro, where did this come from? And like, there's this whole like five minute sequence of them actually becoming friends. Because like they're warming up to it. It just needed to hit that like one extra leg over the over the top in order for me to like truly buy into that. 
I can see that. Yeah, I do think that there were two standout characters in the film, and one of them was Dieter. The other one was Tignataro, but I'm biased. I really like Tignataro. Um, I, it, I'm sure it's sort of a well-known for those who follow anything about the movie, but she was completely green screened in on this film. Like she was barely in any sequence with any person because she was, she a wasn't, replacement. it was completely solo. Yeah. Yeah. I think they said, uh, I saw an interview with her where I think she said she had like one hallway conversation with Dave Batista, but for the most part, it's all, Hey, let's talk to Tig. And she's just perfectly green screened in. So better mm-hmm. than the CGI tiger CGI Tig Nataro was, was ace. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know that was a thing until I found out about it later. Oh, um, yeah. be- because they were filming during COVID, and she is a cancer survivor. They didn't want any risk of anything happening. So once they got rid of the other uh, guy, the, don't even know. Yeah, Crystalia. Crystalia. Um, they brought her in, and yeah, basically filmed all of her stuff solo, and then digitized her in, uh, which was probably made easier by the fact that this was apparently uh, Zack Snyder's first completely digital film. Um, everything else he had done was either on 35 mil or 65 mil. Mm. So the fact that this one was done completely digital probably made it a little bit easier to make that happen. That's not even the real Dave Batista. That's just a CGI Dave Batista. yet he still got paid. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the shots that take Taro's in, it looks like shit. Like, she looks she looks fine, but like everywhere she's she is, it looks like shit. Like she like they got people blurred out. They got her blurred out. They got like like especially during the end sequence when El uh, El Pernell or Ella Pernell, uh, she's at the the helicopter crash, and then she looks over at Tignataro. Tignataro is perfectly in focus. El El's face is just like completely like it almost looks like a a, a fucking episode of Cops, and then they switch <laughs> it back. And she and now Tignataro's on cops, and it's like, oh, okay. So this is these are your tricks to get around it. And like, it's something else I noticed in the movie too is like they would, uh, especially during the recruiting scene of Tignataro when Batista and Maria Cruz show like show up. They're on the one side of the fence. Tignataro's on the other side of the fence, and he'll do that cut in between each conversing side of the party. And you're like, wow, this is really distracting. Why can't you just you know pull the camera back and just have them have a normal conversation? Well, it's because of Tignataro. So he uses that style a few more times in the movie so you don't feel like it's completely out of place and only for Tignataro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you had mentioned earlier the, the helicopter scene. That's the one um, spot where they had no ability to remove the previous actor, uh, which is why it feels like What's-Her-Face just disappears in the, like she's never in the film again. They, they, the final sequence is Dave and uh, his daughter, and is it Maria? I believe. Oh no, Maria got her neck snapped. No, uh, which, uh, by the one zombie. I, I don't remember which actress it was that was in. Um, his daughter? No, not his daughter. There's the other woman who's in the helicopter. It's Tig. Oh, Dave. the the girl that uh, the girl that the daughter's going after. Yes, yes. who has the kids? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Disappears. Gita. Entirely. Gita. That's it. Because Gita. Um, and yeah, she's gone. And that's because they. I, I saw the interview. They couldn't. They had no film of her without the previous helicopter pilot visible. So once she's in the helicopter, we assume she's fine. 
Oh, that's funny. That's that's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. That a character who is a fundamental. She's one of the main MacGuffins of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and did she survive? Eh, there was a big helicopter crash. Make your own judgment. Right, fans. Did anybody too. survive at the end? Nah. Not the viewers. Definitely yeah. not the viewers. So they get the safe open. Uh, from It is here that Tanaka's man really starts to make his presence known um, by locking them down there. Um, and I believe it is, is it the coyote that saves them? That, that puts the, the block in the... I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's the one who cuts the, the hole in the wall with the with the saw which leaves as Vanderhoven in the basement and to save him from uh the potential nuke the zombies the the whole thing he ends up getting locked in the safe one of our end sequence features him surviving dot 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 my my question i pose and I hope you guys asked it too. How did he get out of the safe? Uh, all that tells me is that there's something on the inside of, a, of that safe that allows someone who is potentially trapped inside to be able to open the safe. In the dark. <clears throat> after nuclear de- devastation, which, to be fair, they at least play that out. Um, it, I saw that sequence. I, my wife said, what happened to, what happened to Vander? And I was like, I think, I think that's just where we leave him. And lo and behold, no, we get a whole sequence where for five minutes he gets to live like a king and then his ears fall off. Yeah. Hmm. Rob, back to the Oh, yes, Dan. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's my guess is just that like, hey, there's a thing on the inside of the door. Uh, and also, he's underground. Like, I believe they said it was a fairly low-grade nuke. It it was basically only supposed to wipe out the city, and that's about it. Like, they didn't want to, you know, have it spread across the rest of America. So you only hit it with a little bit of stuff that, you know, destroys the whole fucking town, and then you move on. So... No, he hasn't been killed by radiation poisoning. And I go... Probably because all the radiation is almost immediately gone because they didn't use that big of a nuke. Does I mean I don't know the the specs on like how long fallout lasts even in when it's a small nuke, but I just when he started to irradiate, I was like, okay, they're at least not making you go. How is he fine? Along with how how did he survive the Indiana Jones refrigerator? So right. to 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 throw some science at that part, ooh, uh, what they were using is what's called a tactical nuclear weapon, which is designed to be used on battlefield in military situations with friendly forces in proximity, or even in contested friendly territory. They are smaller in explosive power to strategic nuclear weapons, which are designed mostly to be targeted at the enemy away from the war front and uh, cover a much larger area with much higher levels of radiation. And if you're playing Call of Duty, your opponents always get it first. Yes, that's, that is true. <laughs> uh, there, 
after we get, we are on our way out of the casino. Thank God. <laughs> they have said money. They've loaded them in. They, they have some money anyway. Um, they are on their way out. There's only a handful of them left. It is at this point that Dave Batista's daughter goes, I know I only have whatever it is. Now that the time timing of the nuke is like, so suspect in that, like, it's going to be happening in 24 hours, eh, 10 hours, eh, 30 minutes. She goes, all right, well, this is the only window of opportunity I have to go save my friend. Which, that shit aside, um, the fight sequence to leave the casino is like a thousand of... The, the foot soldier zombies versus whom's left. There is a moment where I made my wife <clears throat> pause, rewind, and rewatch three times. And thankfully, when I was doing my research for this episode, I realized I was not alone. Mm. Did you guys see the robot? Oh, yeah. Rob? Yeah, I saw, I, I saw it almost immediately. Did you the see robot? the robot, Rob? What robot? There's a shot where, where I think it's when Batista is like mowing down, or maybe it's uh, with the the mini cannon, the minigun, um, mowing down zombies. And one of them, after he gets shot in the head, we see his face, and it's a it's like a Terminator skull, and it's never explained, and it's never talked about, but there is a robot zombie amongst the collective. Horde. Dan, please, you seem to know more. You, you seem to know some about the robot. <clears throat> so all I know is what Zack Snyder has said, and he's basically teased it like, oh, well, Area 51, maybe it's an alien robot zombie. Uh, but who actually knows? We'll find out maybe in the prequel series uh, that's called. Uh, I had I literally had it just pulled up. Please uh, don't. Like Army, of the, Army, of the, Army of the Dead Lost Vegas. Uh, Army of Thieves is the Dieter movie, which I don't think is going oh, to have yeah, yeah. any zombies whatsoever. But I think Army of the Dead Lost, Lost L-O-S-T, Vegas, uh, is potentially going to explain it. I also know there's a sequel in the works right now as well. Uh, and, I mean, we can talk about that. Uh, prob- we can talk about that after and, and how Netflix is trying to force a, a franchise on us. Yeah, the uh, Army of Dead Lost Vegas is animated. Yeah, but it's going to have the same characters, and I believe everyone's going to reprise their roles and voice themselves. Gotcha. If anything, I I, I might be looking for, I might actually enjoy that, because it seems that Zack Snyder does really great animated sequences. <laughs> it's just the movies he has a problem with. Yeah, it actually says here that uh, Snyder has said the animated series would explore the ambiguity to the origin of the zombies, including the robot zombies. So there you go. Fair enough. Um, so Daughter has headed off to go find Gita, uh, the Grandmaster Puba zombie. Zeus is holding on to them. I don't know. I, I don't remember Were they like juice boxes. Was he holding on to them to turn them into, you know, zombie brides or, or gestation machines? Like why, why is he hold on to this fine selection that he's collected? 
Great question. No idea. Never yeah. explored, never explained nothing. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thankfully, she was left alive. Thankfully, just her. Um, yeah, yeah, no kidding. And now we move into Act 3, which is Nuke is going off. We have to... Uh, What's-his-face has the zombie head in a bag. The queen has been killed. Her head's in a bag. They have to get to the chopper, which is a piece of shit. And Batista, his daughter's not leaving without Gita. Batista's not leaving without his daughter. Honestly, at this point, I was just rooting for Tignataro. That was it. She was the only one I gave. I was like, Tig better get out of here. What do you guys think? I don't mind the Batista daughter's storyline. It's not the worst aspect of the movie. Uh, but, like... Because, like, it, it is exactly... Like, plot plot beat for plot beat. Exactly how you handle that kind of a relationship in a movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, I... Like, there was, like, that comfort level in it. It was just, like, all the, the shit around it wasn't working. Uh, taking Taro aside, I, I thought Tig was okay. I, you know... She she's coming to do a, an impossible task, which is, uh, you know, act against herself and be herself mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, sex offender man. So, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't that annoyed with with the whole Batista Alapurnell thing. No, I wasn't. A, I, the, <clears throat> those two weren't my problem. I, and I understand why David go after his daughter. It was very much his daughter and Gita, which was my issue. Uh, there, there was a certain amount of, we are going to die, but wait, I came here for this one person. That person is probably, because we don't know, chum. The place is going to be blowing up in a minute. Let's go. Um, I, I had a real problem with her going off on her own because she thought she could do this. It was, it was, it just felt... I mean, dumb. If there was some hint that the woman was alive, if there was some way of knowing precisely where they were, if there was some hint or anything dropped as to get us from A to B on that part, I would have been like, all right, fine. But it really felt she knew where Zeus was because they were told. And so that's where she's going to go check. Um, And it was all very lucky how it all pans out. Oh, sure. Rob, to the plot. So once we get Gita on the helicopter with Batista and the daughter and Tig, uh, we basically go to fly the coop from the casino when the nuke hits and the nuke causes the helicopter to crash. Which basically kills Tignataro's character and Kita. So hey, we did all this for, for nothing. nothing. Yeah. There's two hundred thousand uh, dollars. Everyone's dead except for Ella Purnell. It's just like what we we did. We lost all these people for two hundred thousand dollars. Great, cool story. I mean, maybe that's like. Again, supposed to be some kind of commentary on how we perceive money or some shit. I'm grasping at straws here as I try to make sense of 
this whole ending thing. Yeah, I mean, Batista doesn't survive. He basically survives long enough to give her, you know, fistfuls of cash, his daughter, meaning fistfuls of cash to say, go start a new life. I'm sorry, I was just a shitty dad. Hey, I'm turning into a zombie. Kate has to kill her father, breaks down in tears as the rescue helicopter arrives. And then we get this weird coda to the ending, which is Vanderhoe renting a private jet with, you know, the, the, the sexy stewardesses and everything uh, to take him to Mexico City. And on the flight, he discovers he's been bitten. Mm-hmm. And see. And that's Army of the Dead, a real heartfelt comedy jolt to the senses. Overall, I'm, I'm going to say, I, it is not my favorite zombie film ever. Um, if it was on, I may watch it again just for explodey bits and CGI bits and etc. But I probably, I won't, I, I'm certain, I won't go out of my way to go find it. It sadly, for me, it was, I wanted it to be a much more heist film. I wanted the con job thing in there and it, it dressed it up like that because I love Ocean's Eleven, but it just didn't pay off on any of it. Mm -hmm. What were were your full on opinions there? So I actually have some, some numbers that I worked on here. Um, Netflix was, Netflix is very protective of its numbers. Um, Yes. And they uh, they made this big announcement through social media that it was uh, that it had been watched in like 72 million households. Uh, and then, I would like to clarify that for you, podcast Rob. What well, they meant? It was a prediction. They were right, assuming they that it was going to be that. right. They were assuming that it was going to be seen by 72 million. I was getting to that. They okay, later they later did report that the actual figure was 75 million households. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how accurate that is, we have no idea because Netflix uh, doesn't let anybody check their math, really. No, I can tell you. Like, uh, so when they released that seventy-five million number, that was released through their financial statements. Okay. Basically, in a letter to shareholders, which Netflix is a publicly traded company, uh, if you are found lying, you're you're fucked. You're gotcha. you're tr- you're royally fucked. So, uh, Nef- so the other thing to for everyone to keep in context here is that the way Netflix and most streaming services who release numbers calculate a view is that you have watched two minutes of something. Mm-hmm. So if you start if you start Army of the Dead and you quit after the opening sequence, you're like, "Wow, oh, that was great." That's the view for Netflix. Uh, they yep. used to consider like I think it was fifty or seventy percent. And even back in those days, everyone memed on them, like, they didn't finish the whole movie. And it's like, oh, so you hate that? Let's go to the far extreme where they only want to watch two minutes of something for them to care. Right. And they settled on two minutes because they feel anything, once you hit two minutes, you have made a conscious decision to watch for that long. Right. Which, which <laughs> we were actually having this conversation on somebody else's uh, Facebook post about uh, Netflix not labeling their foreign language series um and most of the time you're anywhere from three to ten minutes into something before you realize oh this this isn't in english this is this is subtitle well i'm not gonna watch it anymore well it doesn't matter because you've already counted as a view for netflix and it's not dubbed that's that i just want them to label dubbing that's all i care about so 
when this was released in the movie theaters, th- this had a budget of somewhere between 70 to 90 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it netted in the theater somewhere between one to one and a half million dollars in the 600 theaters it was released in, which was a disappointment to them because they were kind of hoping for two to two and a half. Now, what they did say is that the first week, this amounted to 913 million minutes of watch time. So I broke that down a bit. And if you take 913 million minutes and divide it by how many minutes are in the movie, I came up with 102,815 people who watched that this first week. If you multiply that by $15, which is, I'll say, the average for a movie theater ticket for one person, you're at $1.5 million that it made the first week that it was streaming on Netflix. Those minutes that's, from... Because if that's Nielsen, I believe that's strictly the United States. Or is that ne- is that coming directly from Netflix? Uh, so this is on May 21st, 2021. The film was digitally released on Netflix, became the most watched item on the streamer, amounting to 913 million minutes of watch time in its first week, 786 million in its second week. Hmm. Uh, it is not saying whether that is... Oh, well, actually, uh, according to Dade Hayes, uh, Army of the Dead occupies top spot on Nielsen US streaming chart. Yeah, so it, it's a Nielsen thing. So yeah, it's, it's basically just... A, a Nielsen number, which like there's currently debate in the streaming entertainment world because like Netflix is one of the few streamers that actually do release numbers. Like, yes, they're protected numbers. Yes, they're numbers that make them look good, but they're at least numbers. Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus do not release numbers at all. So we have to use like these the, the Nielsen numbers in order to kind of interpolate. And now those are coming under fire. So are there actual measurements that everyone can agree on? Who knows? Right. So where does that leave us? We have the we have a cartoon coming. Yep. Was is there a live action thing coming? Yes. Potentially. Oh no, it's it's confirmed. They they are moving oh, ahead with Army of the Dead 2. Yeah. They are moving ahead with Army of the Dead 2. What it's going to be is it going to be Mexico, like where where you know everything moves to Mexico now? Is it going to be because there's a six year time jump in between the intro of the movie and yeah uh, when we start like when the whole story actually starts? I don't know. We haven't we haven't gotten that far yet. I guess we'll see. So does that move? Does that mean that this movie qualified successfully enough, or is it that Zack Snyder has a contract with Netflix? Uh, yes. Okay, it's both. Okay, I didn't know. I yes. figured you would know if anybody that if Zack well, Snyder okay. had a, has a picture deal. He, I believe he does. It's just something they're not talking about because he's also working on another anime project for Netflix. It's a North mytholo- Norse mythology uh, anime uh, that uh, Netflix is basically doing what HBO and Warner Brothers wouldn't do is just like let Zack Snyder do his thing. And that's kind of what Zack Snyder wants to do at this point. It's just his own thing, which is fine. Um, it, this hitting 75 million views or 75 million people checking it out on a 70 to 90 million dollar budget uh, 
what the hell is his name? I think it's Scott Barnes, uh, who is their VP of original film, said that basically for a $200 million movie, they want to hit 80 million views. This did almost that amount of money, that amount of views for half of that. So, yeah, they're going to let Zack Snyder kind of do whatever he wants until the wheels fall off. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he does have a first look deal with Netflix. Um, he's also supposed to be developing Rebel Moon for Netflix, which is supposed to be inspired by Star Wars and the Kurosawa films. He's also apparently working on a King Arthur film that will be set during the American Gold Rush era. Okay. Um, that sounds like a GURPS campaign. <laughs> We're going to put wizards in mechs and it's going to be during Weird West and going to be Nazis. So over overall Hatton, yes. is this something you would recommend? No. Dan, is this something you would recommend? Uh, this is the worst movie I've seen three times. Uh, <laughs> so no. Fun fact, Dave Batista turned down an offer to appear in the Suicide Squad in order to work on this film. Not the not the Oscar nominated Suicide Squad, not the not the award winning Suicide Squad, the the new Suicide Squad. Oh, the uh, good the one that's all the the, the most recent one, the one that's out now. Yeah, he turned out an offer to appear in that movie to work on this film. I wish I knew what role he is because if it went to John, if he got John Cena's, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, if he was Peacekeeper, then I don't like. I guess he wanted to be the lead, in which case, okay. I think that's what he really wanted, though, like because he's he's talked about this in interviews that he was really relishing the fact that Zack Snyder was willing to give him a leading role in a movie because he's been more, more seen as like the heavy, like supporting guy uh, to the lead. So he wanted to actually like show what he could do in a lead role. I mean, knowing what I know about Dave Batista just from my years of wrestling fandom, that makes sense. Yes. You know that that fits what I know about him, that he always just wants to do things on his terms. Mm. Um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll quit when he's, you know, sitting in a wheelchair, screaming at everybody in right. the middle of the ring. <laughs> I see. You you speak Vince as well. I do speak Vince. It's great. Well, it's sometimes great. Yeah, it's Most of the rarely. time, it's awful. Yeah, pretty much. With that said, what uh, give us what what is your uh, if there is somebody who is going? I want to go on Netflix. I'm going to watch something I probably wouldn't watch, but I heard it is baller. You are the person to ask. What is oh. the secret hidden gem on Netflix right now? Uh, hidden gems. Oh God, I don't even know if there is a hidden gem anymore. I guess I'll go Bojack Horseman. It's a show. Everyone complains about shows on Netflix getting canceled after one or two seasons or three seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, Bojack Horseman is a, a show that went for six seasons uh, and got a full conclusion. And uh, it's a great show. Uh, it's adult comedy. It's depressing at times. It's uh, you run the full gamut of emotions. It's a beautiful show. Uh, and I can't recommend it enough. I think it is the best thing Netflix has ever done. Fair enough. I have friends who worship it, so it's just one that I I know I'm going to want to sit and like dedicate the brain to because it's apparently emotional at times. Yeah. Um. Well, where can people find you? What to do? Where's the links? Tell everybody where is the Netflix sense will. 
Yeah, uh, you can follow us at Netflix and Swill anywhere on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I mean, Facebook and Instagram, not too active on, but Twitter, yes, very active. Uh, and if you want to find our podcast, any podcast service, just look up Netflix and Swill, or you can visit our website, NetflixandSwill.com, to find all of those links. And uh, just for those who may also not know, uh, give us a quick rundown of... Uh, what we may be seeing if you have any information from uh live stream because i know we're looking to try to expand that beyond just the uh once a year thing for the cancer research institute is there anything coming down the pipe that we can expect for a live stream for the cure uh nick is still in recharge phase honestly uh we haven't talked i will know more come january that's Fair when enough. nick kicks back up into production uh on on the whole thing and uh, that's when we'll have more information, most likely. Fair enough. On on that topic alone, uh, I will thank you for the work that you and Nick do on that. Um, it is always a pleasure to join you guys every year, and it would not be done without Nick spearheading it and and you assisting and and carrying the load that most people don't know that you carry. You do a lot of the right. green room work. You do a lot of the background work on that, and uh, that is much appreciated from us who uh, enjoy being part of it. Uh, so thank you from us for the work that you do on that as well. I know Nick gets a lot of the praise for that, but not so much the behind the scene guys. Uh, that is true. Uh, I, I, my full-time job is also a very behind the scenes guy who never gets his credit for whenever he does stuff. So, uh, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, I have nothing further to add to army of the dead. Uh, Mr. Hatton. Nope. Just uh, to tell people that if they are interested in more SomethingCast stuff, they know where to go. Go to SomethingCast.com or store.SomethingCast.com for all the things that Rob and I do. Shop.SomethingCast.com. It also is store.SomethingCast.com works. And if it doesn't, Does it? it will by the time this episode airs. <laughs> I'm, I'm checking it out right now. It, it, don't do that. Just say it works. Hey! It does work. Thank you. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. Dan from uh, Network, Netflix and Swell. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. We will see you guys next time. Later. Something, something, something. Okay, here we go.